Justin. I'm Maurice, and you're listening to Category Is. What's up, Maurice? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing this week? I'm great. I'm doing well. Good. What you been up to? Uh, too damn much, as always. You know, I jam back yeah. on weekends. Yeah, you do. Had a gay glamping weekend. Um, went out to Marsh Creek State Park. And did kayaking okay. and hiking and um, cooked a dinner. Um, I had some friends come over with me and my boyfriend. And that was really nice. And like, then, a, um, like a lodge, like that kind of glamping? Or? Like, pinch, like pitched a tent. <laughs> That's not glamping. It That's was, camping. I mean, it was camping, but see, it was in the backyard. So like, then it started raining and we're like, oh, we can go in the house now. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it was what it was. It was fun. It was nice to be outdoors and with uh-huh. in nature. How was your weekend? Uh, it was good. So on Sunday, I spoke um, at this roundtable discussion, um, this guy who runs um, the intelligent speech conference that I was a part of a few months ago mm-hmm. um, reached out. And he reached out and he want, wanted me to join um, this roundtable. They were talking about the history of protests and how. Um, right how protests kind of shape uh, the history of the world, basically. So he had historians, like people who are like really well-versed in history and antiquity and just things um, going back all the way to ancient Rome. Um, And so they were talking about how um, the Romans viewed protests a different way than Mm -hmm. the current, you know, kind of protests that, that we know in the modern era. So it was, it was a really good discussion. I talked about, um, you know, the Stonewall riots, how that, you know, was the real big catalyst for LGBT um, rights and initiatives and, you know, what uh, we know as pride today kind of all started from there. And then um, even most recently, like the Black Lives Matter protest Uh in the in the wake of the George Floyd situation. Um, so yeah, it was a good, good talk. Cool. Um, it's a little about about an hour and a half kind of conversation. Most of the people nice. were from the UK, and so it was um, it was interesting. Interesting. You always have that UK connection. I'm an Anglophile. I'm, I'm I know kind of British. And then <clears throat> speaking speaking of, I spent the rest of the weekend reading Finding Freedom, the story, the book about um, Harry and Meghan leaving the royal family. Damn, it's a book so, already. Yeah, it came out on the 11th of August Ah, by Omid Scobie, who is a reporter and uh, another lady, I I think her name is like Carolyn somebody, but Omid is one of the journalists that I really respect because he gives like honest, factual information. He he didn't buy into that whole clickbait culture where he would just throw out like a um, salacious, you know, story or whatever just so that they can get the money. And a lot of a lot of people kind of went down that direction, but he stayed, you know, pretty true to the facts and um, everything. Cool. And so he wrote this book um, with his co-author and it just basically talks about, like, so it starts, um, you know, like the beginning of the relationship, Harry and Meghan's relationship. And then it doesn't, they didn't interview them specifically. It was more like their friends or like, anonymous sources but they were like really close to the um the the couple and so it was given like really in-depth 
um, look at their relationship, like the mm -hmm. breakdown of stuff like behind the scenes. And that led up to them leaving um, or taking a hiatus. I think, I think it's just a hiatus from the royal family. But right. they, um, he talked about like the brothers' relationship. So Harry and William had a conflict. And that's what really kind of drove everything. It had nothing to do with Megan. It had nothing, that situation. But, um, and then, the, you know, how they are dealing with the media and stuff. Too. That was, that was and what's it called again? It's called Finding Freedom. Okay, cool. Ooh, interesting. Very yeah. Interesting. Okay. And yeah, it was good, but it was, it kind of left me wanting more of the story because I, I definitely feel like it gave, he, so he's a royal reporter, right? And he wanted, I, you could tell he, they, they wanted to maintain that relationship and they didn't want to burn any bridges. They wanted to, you know, keep their connections. And so it was, it was a bit heavy handed with like right. the glorification of stuff. And so it was like, okay, that everything sounded way too good to be true mm. to me, but it gave you some behind the scenes stuff. Okay, well, maybe we can yeah. touch on that more later because I know there's been some updates with her. Mm -hmm. um, but let's get to the next category. It's time for what you're drinking. Yeah, what are you drinking this week? This week, I just have a Sav Blanc. It's summertime. I really do like a nice, good Sauvignon Blanc. Mm -hmm. um, it's crisp, fresh, and tasty. Okay. What you got? This week, I'm drinking a Nasty Woman. Ooh. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, and we'll get to that in a bit. But um, so in this drink is tequila. And okay. I muddled some some fresh like black cherries. So that's floating around because it's a nice color. Um some lime juice and you float um some sparkling wine on top of a little prosecco as in mine. Nice. Yeah, looks really good. tasty. It's really good. It's really good. It's, it gives you like that cherry, limeade, like slush from Sonic flavor. Looks yeah. good. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. Well, let's hop into our categories for this week. It is time for category is. Yes. <laughs> what is the category that we're discussing this week, Maurice? The category that everybody is talking about um, this week is that on Tuesday, um, it was announced that Joe Biden made his um, vice presidential running mate selection, and he picked none other than honorable mention for person of the year last year, yes. Senator, <laughs> Senator from California, Kamala Devi Harris. Yes, yes. D-E-V-I. D-E-V-I, Harris. Yes. Yeah. I was so, so thrilled. Like, mm -hmm. I felt like, just for clarity, and you did post this in our story on Instagram, <clears throat> we mutually called it, what, was it May 1st, 2019? It was May, sometime in May. It was episode it was 133. May 2019. <laughs> yeah, 19. We predicted that the ticket would be a Biden-Harris ticket. Yes, yes. And we were correct, were we not? We were correct. I, mean, I, feel like, I feel like a lot of people also suspected that she would be because she was clearly the most qualified. And I think that they're really a good well, fit. Mm -hmm. um, well, not clearly the most qualified. I mean, there were some others. But I was super, super excited because I wanted her for the top of the ticket. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I was so, so thrilled at first. I was just like, yes. How, how, what was your reaction? So my reaction was anxiety for like the first part of the day because I think I was texting you and then see it because CNN posted that they that he made a decision and then like the next minute it was like he could announce you know very soon then changed to he can announce you know sometime today and I was like oh shit and I'm like in a work <laughs> meeting and like trying to follow the story and like text people at the same time keep them up to date and then you know, on Twitter, they were saying, you know, sign up for, and I got a text message too, I'm sure you did too. And mm-hmm. It was like text, um, what is it? Text something to oh, wow. that number to get on like the, the listserv for when Joe announces or whatever. But it just kept like, the story kept updating and they're like, is it going to be soon? Is it going to be soon? Who is it going to be? And there was like this moment where it's like, okay, are you going to announce or what? And so the text came through on my phone from that number and it was like, you know, this is Joe, whatever, I selected Senator Kamala Harris as my running mate. And I went through the roof because I was like, so, so, so excited, so happy because, you know, not only was it that she was our candidate and that, um, you know, we wanted her for the top. And then I think even before May, we said that, you know, maybe she withdrew because she withdrew in November. Right. December-ish. It was um it was fairly early before the primaries. And Joe, when they <laughs> did you see that video when they told him that she withdrew? And his face was just like, Are you are you serious? He was like complete shock. And so I think from that moment was the talk that maybe she's gonna be the running mate or she withdrew for a, a purpose. And you know, I I from that moment until like last Tuesday, it was like anxiety. Yeah. (laughs) and needles. I can't say I was surprised. I was just happy that my suspicion was confirmed. Mm -hmm. And I do think that she was the best pick. Um, Well, did you watch her speech? Which one? I'm not, like the first one. Oh, the the first joint. the first joint like um event right together um yeah i did watch it yeah i thought her speech was really really good i think she's Mm -hmm. an amazing orator um i just think i'm really excited i think it is historical it's groundbreaking the fact that we have a woman of color that is being you know a heartbeat away from being president is pretty pretty exciting and promising but i also think that kamala had a really lot of great ideas um i know that a lot of people didn't like her but we'll get into that soon but right now we're keeping it happy and crazy Mm -hmm. and exciting Mm -hmm. um yeah so to talk about um kind of her history because some people um you know don't really i guess respect <laughs> her accomplishments or her her life story or whatever so right. she's born she was born in oakland oakland california um her mother is indian her father's jamaican um so she's a first generation american she was a graduate of howard university in washington dc she pledged alpha kappa alpha Sorority Incorporated, which is the first Black Greek letter uh, sorority in the country, um, 
which is founded at Howard University also. She graduated from University of California, Hastings College of Law. Um, she's married to a guy named Doug Imhoff. Um, he's an attorney at DLA Piper. Um, she began her career at the Alameda County District Attorney's Office. Then she went on to be um, District Attorney of San Francisco in 2003. From there, she was elected Attorney General of California in 2010 and then reelected in 2014. She's the first African American, the first Asian American, and the first woman to serve as Attorney General of California. Yes. She, in um, 2016, she won the, her Senate election to become the second, only the second Black woman to be a U.S. Senator following um, Carol Mosley Brown of Illinois. And she was double. Seems like that was a long time ago. Carol um, Mosley Brown was in like the 90s. Yeah. And then all the way until 2016. Um, was the next one. So, and she's also the first South Asian American um, woman to serve in the, in the Senate, maybe the first um, just South Asian ever, right? Yeah. I don't know. We'll get to, oh yeah, she, okay. Um, but yeah, so with this pick, she also becomes the first African American, the first Asian American, and the, only the third woman to be at the top or not thought, be on, on, the ticket. Uh, on the ticket, on a major um, presidential party ticket. Right. And there's after, only, mm-hmm. okay. okay. After no, Geraldine, Geraldine Ferraro. Ferraro and 84. And Hillary, Hillary, oh no, Sarah Palin. No, Sarah Palin. Yeah, yeah Sarah Palin and then her. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yep. Okay, cool. And yeah. I know that if you think about it, there's only been three presidential tickets that have had a person of color, and Joe Biden wasn't all three. Oh, right. <laughs> So like, yeah. Yes, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Tense for Joe because you know what? Um, I was watched an interview that Kamala did with the 19th, um, which is this um, organization that's about um, women's empowerment and like voting rights. It's it's named after the 19th. Is there a publication? Yeah, the news, the news, the newspaper. Yeah, Um, or online, whatever. And she did an interview with um, the editor at large there. Her name is Erin somebody. Um, and she was like, so Kamala says, you know, the, the, the question was like, you know, what does it say to, um, about Joe Biden that he picked a woman of color? And mm. she was like, the audacity of Joe Biden to do that. You know, like think about the risk that, you know, he probably had to weigh and like people were probably saying, oh, maybe it's not viable or, you know, there was pressure i guess that he right. in this moment had to choose a black woman but he didn't have to he didn't have surely to. did not and like the historical nature of this pick is like phenomenal but then again joe biden was like i've never had a, a white running mate i don't know what that's like right <laughs> and so he was probably like i've never had a white running mate i could, <laughs> i could have had a white running mate Right. And I think to. it also kind of like, you know, he, Joe Biden's heavily associated with Obama because he was Obama's vice president. And I think right. now that he's making his bid for president, it kind of means something to the black community that he chose another black person. Right. Um, almost like a giving back. And then a woman on top of that. Um, I just yeah. think, and I think that they're going to be a good, good team. I think it also says something about 
Joe Biden, the fact that, you know, in those early debates during, like, prior to the primary, mm -hmm. um, Kamala came for him when she was talking about, you know, you, you well, supported, you know, uh, you didn't support busing, that little black girl was me. I feel like mm -hmm. she kind of, at times, she went hard on him. And I think it says a lot about the fact that that didn't dissuade him from working with her, that, like he respect her, that he wants someone who's going to challenge and push him, because we kind of well, know he's going to be a one-term president. Well, he said, he initially said that he would only do one term if he was elected. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I think, you know, once you get that power, sometimes it's hard to let it go. So right. we'll see. But essentially naming his, um, naming the, of a vice president is basically setting them up to run in the future. So right. if Joe is, going to only be a one a one-term president then he's essentially naming who he wants to be the nominee for 2024 and beyond so you know i think that's probably um what some people were having an issue with and with right. you know um because it did you know not to say that you're anointing them because you don't know what can happen in between now and then but in this in essence you are kind of anointing the next person to carry the right. torch forward right you are because yeah. the, the fact of the matter vice president is someone that the presidential the top of the ticket chooses so mm -hmm. they are elected on a ticket together but right. it's kind of like a lot of power to have and not be directly elected if that makes any sense right especially when no. you know you are the next in line <laughs> um right. if something ever happens to that person while they're in office, you are, you know, mm -hmm. gonna be the president and have to act on it. And, you know, he is up in age and, you know, cognitive test results or not, you know, he, he's 78. He, he, who sh he who shall not be named. Yeah. He's, you know, he's 77 now. If he's elected in November, by the time the inauguration comes, he'll be 78, which would be the oldest person to ever become president of the United States. Right, which, right. And so 2024, he'll be 82. Mm -hmm. I don't see him doing, you know, doing that all the way over again. Stamina to do that. And that's yeah. A lot. You know, those are your, I don't know if they're your golden years, are they? I don't know, but like. No, nah, you passed Those that. years, do you really want to spend with the most stressful job in the world? Yeah. Probably not. Probably not. And Joe Biden has a yeah. good life, but I think that we all are, of, at least I thought we all of the understanding that, you know, we need to get this person out. And we yeah. need to get the most electable ticket to mm -hmm. do so. I yeah. think that this upcoming general election, not as a time for progress, I don't even know, to be quite honest, I don't even know what is on um, Joe's platform. I don't know. It don't, I don't matter. Know if, he, if he has, but it do, to me, it don't matter. <laughs> yeah. Because I feel like we're at a point where the country is like, gonna bleed out and if we don't stop the bleeding soon it's going to die so yeah. it's like it's a it's a i'm not trying to make progress right now i'm just trying to calm shit down and get some kind of sense of normalcy and some right. respect back in the office and in mm -hmm. in some actual leadership mm -hmm. right now for me is not the time of progress and i know a lot of people feel like oh but what better time than now when the world is falling apart but you need some stability like yeah and we need to kind of like just undo what Trump has done because it, it was going to affect us for 
decades. Yeah. Decades. Yeah. You know? yeah, it's gonna be a lot. Now, I was so elated, over the moon, excited, just yes. As soon as I heard it announced on um, MSNBC, I posted to mm-hmm. Instagram, like, yes. But um, then I went down the rabbit hole of the social media. Oh, and you can't do that. I found myself getting triggered because I think that I hadn't had my ear to the ground on how a lot of people my age and how a lot of people um, of a similar socioeconomic or racial or ethnic background as I have felt about Kamala. Um, I was like, I love her, so everyone else must, right? I really wasn't being that in tune with what's going on in the world. Um, but I also think that a lot of people my age do love Kamala. I think that there's just certain people who speak louder when they want to um, express their grievance or just hear themselves talk. And I felt like as soon as the announcement was made, lots of people were just going in on Kamala, saying she's not African-American, which I guess technically she's not, but don't try to discount her experiences. Well, they're trying to nitpick at that point because does she have roots in Africa? Yes. Her mm-hmm. daddy, you know, how he got to Jamaica, you know. Right. Um, sure. But they were just trying to parse out and say that technically she's not African-American because she's not a, a descendant, of uh, descendant of slave. Yeah. Of American slaves. American slaves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay. That, well, again, that's all you got? Well, well, exactly. That's all you have. Or the fact that she's married to a white man. Um, people, you know, saying, oh, well, she was Indian, so she's not really black. And she grew up in Canada for part of the time. And we can't really trust her, like discounting her black, like discounting mm-hmm. her blackness and questioning her blackness as if the black experience is one thing. And I was just really triggered by that. It made me really, really upset, to be honest, because I was just, it, it kind of triggered things from my childhood for me with people questioning my blackness, with people trying to discount my blackness because of my heritage or because of how I present to the world or because of my ideas or values. And I just feel like that is just such a, negative and nasty and tearing down of someone especially when it's not really relevant because it's not like yeah he picked a qualified woman you know and i get that there's other things with her record but all of a sudden everyone has become a legal scholar in criminal law and and it has something to say about her record as um attorney general as her as the da of san francisco you know and i feel like a lot of people just get their news from Facebook or Instagram or Instagram Instagram, and are just like repeating all these things without really fully understanding the context yeah and they they didn't give this woman a chance like they were just and to be quite honest and clear I felt like it was the black community that was that was ripping her apart more so than anybody yeah it's that that crabs in a bucket um, mentality and also you have to think that the selection process was drawn out and like way longer than it probably should have been. Like I know they tried to announce like right before the convention so they mm-hmm. can have, you know, the the boost in the polls and like ride the momentum and, and things like that. But there were, so he committed to picking a woman like when back earlier months ago. And then, um, so then people started to pick out, okay, well, there's only so many women, like who is going to be? And then you came with this roster of like 10 to 12 women 
um, who would be the most likely choices was governor, um, I think Rhode Island, um, New Mexico, Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. And you had, um, they say, well, it's got to be Elizabeth Warren. It's got to be um, Amy Klobuchar. Um, Susan Rice. It's got to be Kamala got to be on there. And so then people threw in Stacey Abrams. I was like, girl, <laughs> okay. And then Keisha Lance Bottoms' name got on the list. And so it's like people felt connection to that person that they thought who should be on the ticket. And so when the longer and the longer and the longer that it got drawn out, it's like people got so committed and attached to that one woman. And then, you know, of course, when the selection happens, it's like, damn, well, I thought it was going to be mine. It's kind of like when you're watching a, bo- a beauty pageant, <laughs> but it's, but they just announce the winner. They don't, you know, do like the runner-ups and stuff. So this one was right, just like, right. everyone's in the race until the very end, right. you know? And it's like, damn, I thought it was going to be Miss um, right. and, but New for Jersey. Me, for me, the part that is, I posted something that Ava DuVernay had posted in response to a New York Times. Oh, uh-uh. I know you don't feature her. But the sentiment I featured, and basically she was saying, like, now is not the time to nitpick, pull this woman apart, you know, attack her record. The fact Mm -hmm. of the matter is, is whether you like it or not, she is the, on the ticket. Right. And we we will hold her accountable going here forward, despite what she's done. Yeah, you can talk about all the things she did back in in, in 2005, 2011, whatever. But we can't look at that from the lens in the time of now. We have to look at it in the capsule of that time and how... You know, what was the intent at that time? Was that the best decision? Was it, maybe it wasn't. Sometimes you make decisions 10 years ago that weren't the best decision. And you, you evolve as a person. And you evolve as a person. And I feel like because, the cancellation culture is not allowing uh-huh. for politicians to evolve. There is no such thing as a perfect candidate. If you're waiting for one, you're going to be waiting for the rest of your life. The fact of well, the matter is, is this is who we have. And, and let's mm-hmm. talk about what she didn't do. What she didn't do is create all this racial unrest. What she didn't do is neglect the country during a global pandemic where most Americans have died ever. What she didn't do is mess up the economy. What she didn't do was all these things. You have to compare her directly to Trump. And is she better? And this is not a slight to Kamala, but Biden could have picked a house plan and I would have still been voting for him. The fact that people were so (laughs) up in arms about who is the vice president Mm -hmm. is like, so now that changes your mind? And um, everyone posting Kamala wasn't my first pick. Okay, well, who was? I don't hear anyone saying who who was. It doesn't matter. It, you it, gonna it pick not. her and Biden over Trump or not? And that's what I had to ask a lot of people because one of my friends, um, she's a political science professor at Villanova, and she um, she was on um, NPR WHYY. They had a they had her on to speak wow. about Kamala getting chosen as the vice president, and mm-hmm. so. She was saying that basically there's fractures within the Democratic Party. And so when you have right. to, when you're choosing a candidate, um, you have to make sure, or if you want to win, you have to be a candidate or choose a ticket that doesn't, you know, exacerbate any of those or rub any of those fractures the wrong way. And so if any group in there like felt just completely um, ignored by the choice, then they're not going to turn out and vote. And so um, so with that, it's like, 
he had the choice. I think in the current climate of today, his biggest hurdle would have been the black vote. Right. And if the black vote, if you chose a white woman in this time, then the black vote wasn't going to come out. It wasn't going right. to show up. And it wasn't to say that he could just throw any black, <laughs> throw a dart and land on any black woman in America and, you know, hope to win. I mean, I think, I think it, was a, it was a good choice. Choice. She's yeah. qualified. She was vetted. It was a great choice. Mm-hmm. I think also, you know, I get that we can have like political discussion and discourse. <clears throat> um, Facebook isn't the best place, I don't think, to have this discourse because I think people buy into this idea that, yeah, everyone has an opinion, but everyone's opinion is equal. And that is not the case. Um, you're entitled to your opinion, but is everyone yeah. working with the same set of facts, right? And everyone's op- operating from a, a place of feeling. And feelings are not facts. And I just feel like, even that aside, yeah, we can have discourse about Kamala and her record and whether or not she was the best choice. But the fact of the matter, like you said earlier, is, is this is the choice. Mm-hmm. So what value does that add? What, what mm-hmm. purpose is that for? It's futile. It's, it's us sitting here and talking about her record is not, and then people are saying, oh, I'm still going to vote for her, but not enthusiastically. I think a lot of people who are my age, the first person they voted for was Obama, and they want that again. That mm-hmm. is a once-in-a-lifetime feeling yeah you know and candidate you're not going to get that again and i think that yeah. people need to understand that politics is not this you know game like dating where you're looking for the perfect lover you don't have to like everything about kamala the fact of the matter is is this is what you currently have is the likelihood of her being better than what you have likely if yes over her if not then don't and everyone, people are going to vote for her, but people are doing it like begrudgingly. And it's just like, what do you want? Did you, did you see that meme? It said, um, it said politics isn't like marriage where you look for the one. Mm-hmm. It says politics is more like um, public transportation. Yeah, right. <laughs> like public transportation. You know, you, <laughs> you catch the one that'll get you closest to where you're trying to go. Exactly. And, and that's... That, a lot of young people were really inspired um, by the um, civil unrest or the, the protests that took place earlier this summer following mm-hmm. the um, killing of George Floyd. And they really wanted to see something directly linked to that in their presidential candidate. But people also need to understand that doesn't happen at the presidential level. That happens with your local elections. That happens with your council people. That happens with your you know, DA. That happens with very, very local elections. You're not going to see pol- change at police level at the federal mm-hmm. level. The only federal you know, enforcement they have is the FBI, the CIA. That's not going to trickle down to your local police departments. Yeah. Um, there can be some effects, but it's just, I think that people are really just misinformed. I think that it's really obvious that people don't know American civics and our systems of government. I think that people really need to Stop worrying about talking so much and worry about learning and reading and being yeah. listening for someone. Um, yeah. What? Well, I just don't want to. I don't want to hear it about Kamala. I don't want to hear it, and that's not because I don't want to engage in that discussion. But it's just what is the point? Well, I watched um, the Duchess of Sussex was also a part of the whole nineteenth um, news organization. They did like a series of interviews. Um, last week, and so she was interviewing the the creator of the 19th, 
And at one point, the lady turns the question back around on Megan and she says, you know, how do you deal with um, like the negative um, press? And Megan says, you know, you hear it a lot. She calls it noise. And she's like, there's always a lot going to be a lot of noise. And she's like, but often, you know, people only focus on the angry voices or like the negative comments and they don't really you know pay attention pay as much attention to you know the people who are saying positive things and people who are right. you know really really um supportive and so i think it was probably it was definitely a small minority of people who for whatever reason um had negative things to say about about <laughs> kamala harris but they be the rest of the internet was on JoeBiden.com. They were in the Biden store getting all getting their merch, their Biden Harris merchandise. Because I tried to buy some stuff and like the website was shut down. Like they broke the internet. Wow. Yeah. They broke wow. the internet. No, I'm I'm really excited um, for this pick. I'm hopeful that you know. I, I'm just. After going down the rabbit hole of viewing what everyone and their mom has to say on the internet, I got kind of discouraged and kind of saddened because I felt like we were going to have a repeat of 2016, which I'm still recovering from PTSD from. I will never forget being at your apartment when we had <laughs> mm. that election watch party. Yeah. And it was the saddest night ever. You were like, you need to go. Like, it was, it was bad. Yeah. Um, and I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid of that happening again because the Democratic Party can't seem to coalesce around just defeating Trump as the main goal and letting that happen. And I look at Trump supporters, right? And I'm just like, or Republicans in air quotes, mm -hmm. like they don't agree with all the racial incitement that he does. They don't agree with his crazy tweeting and his lack of fact checking. But at the end of the day, they're like, you know what? I like Trump because of this one reason and I, everything else be damned, I'm gonna vote for him for that. How mm -hmm. come we can't, as the Democratic Party, do the same thing? Like the person, especially during these times, where times yeah. are so, so, just unprecedented. I mean, I've, Trump is probably the worst president in American history. It definitely, if not American history, definitely in my lifetime. And if yeah, all of that, mm -hmm. like, come on. Yeah, I think the, the thing about the Republican Party is that they are like, we got white bread and that's it. You won't eat this bologna sandwich and that's it. But with the Democratic Party, especially with this most recent primary, because it was so diverse in the beginning, was that everybody was trying to be the first something. And I'm going to be the first woman. I'm going to be the first black woman. I'm going to be the first gay. I'm going to be the first this. I'm the Asian. You know, they had Andrew Yang come up in there too. And, you know, like I said, it's like the whole people get connected to that one person because that person speaks to them and they have a hard time letting that go. And so the good thing this year was that um, the party did seem to kind of coalesce around the most electable person they felt, which, you know, is Joe Biden. And so now, yeah, we got white bread, we got Joe Biden, but we got some beef patties, we got some chana masala. We got, you know, some collard greens. We got everything on this ticket now. So I think 
bringing that diversity to it is going to be really important. So, you know, I have on my blue shirt, I'm going to ride the blue wave down on November 3rd. And in 2020, I'm riding with Biden. And in 2024, I'm a holla at Kamala. Yeah, I'm here for it. I think we should well maybe looking at the first uh, woman president of the United States of America. And I, 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 I anticipate that her responsibilities as vice president are going to be much more um, significant than any vice president we've had since right. Dick Cheney. <laughs> Heart attack. Hmm. Well, you know, I'm sure that, you know, Miss Rice, um, I'm sure she'll have a place in the cabinet. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, Miss Stacey, I'm sure Miss Stacey Abrams will be going from talk show to talk show, trying to get a place. She's gonna cabinet. be down at the buffet as soon as they open up. Stop. <laughs> That's all she heard about. But yeah, I think you know all of the women who were in contention are phenomenal women, and no one can any choice that he made. They would have, except for Stacey Abrams would have been qualified and maybe Keisha because Keisha, well, <laughs> but yeah. you know, they, they were very highly um, qualified, educated, talented, experienced women who could have filled the job. But I, for me, Kamala Harris was in a different level than right. the rest. Yeah. I mean, she's yeah. the only, if he was going to pick a woman, I think it was going to be a woman who had ran for president or had the gumption to do so. So that only left for me Warren Klobuchar, um, the Gabby girl, and Kamala, right? Yeah. And Kamala was a clear choice of those women. That was how I kind of yeah. analyzed it, you know? Who is Gabby? Two, what's, uh, not Gabby. Uh, two, Hawaiian girl with the gray hair. Girl, uh-uh. <laughs> no, what's man. What's her name? I'm, Tulsi, I'm not speaking her name. Tulsi Gabbard. Mm, girl, bye. But... <laughs> Amy will, will definitely get a cabinet position. I could see Warren and her binder full of plans doing something in the finance. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, come November, I'm hopeful. And this mm-hmm. ticket has made me really hopeful because I said, you know, I said that if he didn't pick Kamala, he would get my vote, but he wouldn't get my support. Mm-hmm. And those are, you know, those are two different things where, um, you know, getting my vote in November, I'm doing nothing else. <laughs> I'm not paying attention to anything else except voting. Um, but getting my support is, I'm going to be much more engaged. I think a lot of people are going to be a lot more engaged right. um, than they would have been. The K-Hive is strong. The K-Hive, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. Okay. Do you have any other categories you want to discuss? Do you want to talk about the Duchess and her move to, is it Montecito? Yeah, Montecito. They moved to um, Santa Barbara. Um, So when they first, um, so the book I was reading, it ends like when they, when they moved um, to Canada. So they were in Vancouver Island at um, this um, estate is owned by like this Russian guy. But um, so they were there renting that for a while. Then they moved to um, Tyler Perry's house in L.A. I didn't know that. Yeah. So you know that um, Doria is friends with Oprah now. Right. Um, Actually, they went to the same church and they didn't even know it. Oh, wow. Yeah. How do you not know that you go to church with Oprah? 
Well, you know, maybe they went to different service. Maybe somebody went to eight o'clock service. Somebody went to eight o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Girl, no. <laughs> Oprah, Oprah, Oprah was up in there. She had a, a secret box. Right. She she, she came into the back <laughs> Right. Um, and then, so somebody connected them to the Duchess uh, and Tyler Perry, connected them together. And they were renting his one of his houses um, in LA. But then there was like some drone footage, like some paparazzi was trying to get pictures of um of little archie someone cut a hole in their fence to try and take pictures of them when they were outside and they were like uh-uh we oh, got yeah. to go and so they um bought this house back in june they moved in july it's a, like a 14.5 million dollar house but they took out a mortgage oh wow yeah. I that William has money like that. Harry has money like that. He does. He does. Okay. And plus, you know, Prince Charles has money too, and he gets the, most of his money from Prince Charles. Um, but I think it's a smart thing to do, especially because they, I mean, you don't want to put dropped $14.5 million and then it's just totally gone. So you got to put down 10%. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's like 1.4. Your mortgage is gonna be. I mean, it's still gonna be a lot. A lot. <laughs> but, but it's less than. It. Yeah, but they got it. Score is <laughs> okay. I'll be checking my credit card, but I'm doing a credit card. They're probably off the range. They probably got it. They probably got Yeah, but yeah, I mean, they go for it, and so they moved to Santa Barbara, which is like 90 miles from LA. So it gives them just enough distance that Doria can't like pop up in the middle of the day. <laughs> but they're still close enough to LA. And I think they're really gonna start doing a lot of like speaking engagements and like because they they sign with that 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 representation company uh-huh. like speaking engagements. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was good. Like you should watch that um that interview that she did with, with the um, orange where she had the hair. She had the hair down. Just, the hair was I thick. Saw- the hair was very thick and long. Yeah. I asked her if she had some pieces in there because I was like, damn, her hair is long and thick. Yeah, yeah. But she did say, um, they kept replaying it on Instagram and stuff and they were just, she was mm-hmm. like, it's good to be home. Yeah. Like she said it with her whole chest. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. it's good to be home. Yeah, because the, the founder of the 19th, she asked her, um, you know, what she thought about what was going on in America. And so Megan says that she really hasn't lived in the U.S for over 10 years because when she was filming Suits, she lived in Toronto um, for, that was what, seven seasons? And then immediately immediately after that, she moved to the UK for, for you know, before the wedding, they got married and all of that. So yeah, she's like, it was kind of surreal coming back to the States and like seeing the state of how things were here because, you know, she just hadn't lived here. Right. And hadn't seen him like firsthand. All you know, all she could rely on was like the news. But um, she was saying that you know, just watching things was was horrible. And you know, now she's excited because she gets to be a part of the movement, and she gets to be a part of you know the the change, advocating for change. And she says she gets to use her voice in a way that she hasn't been able to. Right because, you know, the royals, they have to keep very tight-lipped about a lot of things and stay apolitical. And so she, that's when she said, it's good to be home. She really, she really meant that. 
Right, right. Yeah. Oh, well, we're happy to have our American princess back in America. Yeah, yeah. Yes. All right. Any other categories you want to discuss? No, I think that's All it. right. I think that's yeah, it. Sure. Let's hop to the next segment of the show. It's time for I Said What I Said. Do you want to go first? No, you go. All right, my I said what I said is really just coming off of Kamala. I kind of alluded to it earlier that I was specifically triggered. Um, specifically when people were attacking her blackness and whether her blackness was valid, whether her black experience mm-hmm. was real. And because of the kind of black experience she had, whether or not she could be trusted or whether she was putting on a front and performing blackness. And I think that those are really damaging tropes in topics to discuss. Um, I myself am a black person. I identify solely as black. I don't check no other box. I'm just regular black. But my heritage, both of my parents are mixed heritage. And I love and honor and respect that part of myself, but I also understand that I navigate the world on a daily basis as a black man. No one sees the percentages that make up me. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, when I was really getting into reading people on social media and going down that rabbit hole, it kind of took me to a place in my adolescence where I felt very attacked. When those attacks were hurled at me and questioning my blackness because of my family structure or unit or how I grew up or the way I speak or the way that I, certain things that I may do that are not quintessentially black. And um, you put apples in your mac and cheese, girl. I did that once, <laughs> one time, and it was a joke. Don't, don't have the people out here thinking I put mac apples in my mac and cheese. And it was good though. It was like a joke though. It was like, oh my God, let me try one of these crazy white people recipes. And it actually was kind of tasty. But Macaroni like, in the pot. <laughs> oh God, wow, wow, wow. Number one uh, song, number one song. But you know, it's just, I also identify with her the fact that she's an attorney. And I think a lot of people never took into account. People were commenting on her role as an attorney, a prosecutor, as the district attorney, as the attorney general of California, without really identifying or realizing what it took for her to get there. Like law school as a black person is very, very difficult. Just the attrition rate is abysmal. Just to, to get accepted to law school, let alone make it through law school and pass the bar is an achievement for a person of color, specifically a black person. And especially then in she, the 80s. Especially in the 80s. I did it in the, in the 2010s. So in the 80s, it was just my gosh. And then for her to navigate all the way up into the, to be the attorney general of the most powerful state, let's just say it, California, was not a small feat. And no one is taking into account the things that she had to navigate and do just to get there. And I think that that, for me, was really disheartening. And then also people commenting on the fact that she, the person that she happened to fall in love with just so happens to be white and of a different race. And people were saying, oh, well, she went out of her way to find a white man. No one is also having a discussion of what, how many black men was trying to date her, you know? And she, and because that's a really real discussion for another podcast and another day. But just because you're in love or with someone of a different race does not discount your blackness. And I think for me, being someone now who's in an interracial relationship, that was really triggering for me. And it it really hurt me because I love my blackness. I hold it true and dear to me. And it's really important to me. But I don't think that the person that I love is a discount to that Ooh. because the, the, what? Okay, or, or the person that I'm with oh, is a discount okay. to that. Okay, but I do. It's not a discount to that because it, it's, 
that has nothing to do with me. You know what I'm saying? Just because you're in, I'm sure you can identify as well. You're a black person. Just because you're with a person who's of a different race does not make you any less black. That sentiment to me was really, really hurtful. And -hmm. I think that I took it too personally. And I think that I gave too much, um, like, energy to those negative, hurtful, damaging, disgusting comments. And um, afterwards, I was like, you know what, what can I do to kind of take some power back, take some control back and still continue to be excited about Kamala. And I decided to sign up to do like a texting bank, like a texting phone bank where you text the Mm -hmm. people. So I'm gonna do that. I ordered my Biden-Harris merch. I'm still gonna be excited. And I'm not gonna allow, you know, these people to make me feel bad about myself because it took me to a place where I was like, you know, 12, 13, 14, and not as secure as who I am today. And I kind of forgot about that. But for me, it was really triggering. I think that a lot of these people are so obsessed with being woke that they're overly woke, they're overstanding things, and they're actually gonna end up hurting themselves in the long run. It's not a testament to your academic or intellectual prowess. It is not a testament Mm -hmm. to your ability to you know, have intellectual or, or political discourse. What it is, is especially in the way that people voiced it, it was a distraction and sometimes very, very hurtful. I'm not sitting here acting like a tragic mulatto. That is not my story. That's Amanda Sue. <laughs> Stop. She does it all the time. Stop. But what I'm saying is, is that a lot of Black people's opinions have been very, very could be very, very hurtful to others. Mm-hmm. And I think hurtful to Kamala. The woman went to Howard University. She pledged uh, Black sorority. She identifies and navigates the world as a Black woman. You know, her name's Kamala Harris. Kamala sounds mm-hmm. like it could be Keisha. It's not that It far. means Lotus. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm saying, but the average person wouldn't know Kamala. They would just right. think it's like some, some, for lack of a better word, ghetto Black girl name. I have a cousin whose name is like one letter off. Really? Yeah. Only if you you want to share. Sorry, don't put your information. Not on camera. Not on camera. Yes, yes, yes. But we pronounce it a different way. Right. And also people, it's not Kamala. It's not, it's comma, love. That's how you pronounce it. Yeah. And I said what I said. All right. My, I said what I said for this week. Kind of, um, continue some of the things that you were saying because you know a lot of people had a lot of negative things to say about um about her and it was just it was sad to see because you know i don't understand why you know sometimes people just feel their knee-jerk reaction is to tear someone down and try to bring up you know all this irrelevant information that it just doesn't matter. Like, who cares? Doug, it seems like a nice guy. Like, some of y'all need a Doug in your life because you. he adores that woman. Have you seen his Instagram and, like, Twitter? And he just, they've been married, what, like, six years? But he has puppy dog eyes for her. He's, like, always cheering her on. And some of y'all need a Doug. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> you yes. know? but. I think for me, my I said what I said this week, this goes out to anyone who has anything negative to say about Kamala Harris, especially if you're a person of color, 
because my question to you is, what are you going to say when someone who, when a white person comes to you and has these same negative talking points about Kamala, Kamala mm. Harris, are you going to be, you know, egging them on and gassing them up and yeah, see, I don't like her either. And this is why I did it. And it's like, we need to, as Americans, we need to be a lot, especially black Americans, we need to be a lot nicer in how we treat Kamala Harris. And we need to, you know, respect the ticket. And she might not have been your candidate, but she's the, the, the vice presidential candidate that we have. And, you know, we need to treat her a lot better than the UK treated Meghan Markle because just day in and day out, dogging her down. And as soon as they announced, Joe Biden announced that he chose Kamala Harris, mm-hmm. that orange person dropped all these ads. They have been, they were just sitting there waiting to drop the ads about her. And they talking all kinds of stuff. They brought up these birther claims that they had with Obama back in um, 2008 and saying, oh, what? is she even American? Oh, I heard she was born in Canada. No, she lived in Canada when her mom took up a teaching position in Montreal. Right. right. <laughs> she was born in Oakland. Oh, well, were her parents even citizens? It doesn't matter. She was born in Here. Oakland, California. She's a U.S. citizen. Oh, well, if they were on student visas, then technically that doesn't count. And they could be the... All of this stuff. And it's like, if we, if we're coming at her, off Thank some you. BS. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna say when they are already coming at her? Like, mm-hmm. It's hard enough as a black person in this country putting up with all the things that we have to just to get where we are. And just think of all the barriers she had to overcome to be, you. like you said, go to law school. Hell, even graduate from high school. Thank you. How about that? You know, even getting to school, she had to get bused to school in the whole desegregation plan, um, going to high, um, high school, going to college, going to law school, graduating, becoming district attorney of San Francisco, attorney general of California, a sitting U.S. senator. And, you know, she had been trying to like downplay people when they would say, oh, well, you're the first um, woman to do this. You're the first Black woman to do this. You're the first South Asian woman to do that. You're the first this, this, and this. And, you know, she would try to downplay it and be like, oh, I'm just trying to do my job. I was right. just trying to do my job. And, you know, as a, as a child of immigrants, as a minority, as a woman of color, there's just a lot of hurdles and BS that she probably has, has to go through. I'm not going to say had to go through has to go through on a daily basis, but she, but still she persists, she carries on and she does what she has to do. I'm excited about November. Y'all better vote. Get excited. And you want <laughs> your mail-in ballot situation, cause you know, yes. orange person's trying to fuck with them, you SPS, and the yeah. Mail. Um, yeah. We'll discuss that on another podcast, but let's another go to day. our next segment of the show. <laughs> it's time for, Tens, tens, tens across tens the across board. Tens across the board. Go ahead. My tens speak goes to Karine Jean-Pierre. She is um, Martinique, but she's also, she's born in Martinique, but she is American. 
and she's a political campaign organizer. And Kamala Harris just um, announced that she would be her chief of staff. Um, so this woman is from the Caribbean. She was a professor at Columbia University. Um, she was a national spokeswoman for MoveOn.org. And she was a political analyst on NBC News and MSNBC. Uh, Miss Jean-Pierre is also an open lesbian um, from the Caribbean, which has mm -hmm, a which, lot of ooh. layers to it. Yeah. And she is the chief of staff. She is the right-hand woman of Kamala Harris. I think that this is also further indicative of why Kamala was a great choice because she's going to pass that on, create more opportunities for people like herself who are qualified and have what it takes, but there have been barriers placed in their way because simply because of who they are. And I think that this um, Jean-Pierre is, I've seen her always on MSNBC mm -hmm. and she's always so, um, intricate in how she like and she always answers the question first of all but she always opens it up in a very professorial way to a further discussion and to kind of um you know make things clearer or brighter and i think that she is um a brilliant political mind and i think that she mm -hmm. would be really really helpful as a chief of staff to kamala harris and i think that was a great appointment that was the first act that she did as presumptive vice president and i think that that shows her commitment to um well, of underrepresented groups. Yeah. Someone who sits at a point of intersection of being both Black of a diaspora and a lesbian. So, yeah. tends to you, Jean-Pierre, it was well-deserved, and I can't wait to see what you do with our <laughs> next vice president. Yes. Yes. I don't know why I thought she was Haitian. Maybe it's the, the hyphenated, the Jean-Pierre. Jean-Pierre, because a lot of yeah. Haitians are know Jean-Pierre, but she's yeah. from Martinique. Okay. Just On like, the beach of Martinique. Saint like, Lucia, Dominica. Yeah. yeah. Well, Martinique is um, it's still French territory. It's French. Right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So my tens this week, <laughs> I was gonna give tens to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, but I think we beat that um, <laughs> a bit too much this week. But this week, I'm gonna give tens to 538.com. It's a political website if you have not um, seen it before, and they posted a link about um justin mentioned the mail-in voting um for this upcoming election it's really important that people get informed about the mail-in ballots because with the current health situation that we're going through right now we're going to be heavily reliant on mail-in voting um this time around and that orange person is doing whatever he can to try and first he said it was going to be a fraud it's going to be the results weren't going to be legitimate now he's trying to take away money from the post office so that they can even process the ballots on time and it's just a, it's just too much and you yeah but anyway i'm going to post the link to the 538 article it's going to show you how you can vote by mail in your state, the current regulations, also things to watch out for, whether it's um, different lawsuits that are going on, when your vote has to be, when your ballot has to be received, not just postmarked, um, has all kinds of information um, in there. So I'm gonna put that down in the show notes. So be sure to check that out. Um, so yeah, tends to the people at 538.com.
or or whatever it is. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for uh, joining us for another episode of Category Is. Remember that our next episode will be our 100th episode. Yes. Yes. So stick tuned. Stick tuned. Stay tuned <laughs> on our social that. media for, yeah. um, for details and things related to that. Yeah. We're wi- we are winding down season two. Um, be sure to um, like, rate, review. Also subscribe so you get all of our updates. Um, also, to anyone, if this is your first time listening to us, because we are nominated again for the People's Choice Podcast Awards for the Best LGBT Podcast. So if this is your first time listening, we hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to subscribe as well and let us know how you like this episode and our podcast. Also, just go ahead and vote for us, too. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, guys. We hope to see you next week. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to Category Is. Be sure to like, rate, and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all things social media at Category Is Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can contact us at categoryispod at gmail.com. Check us out on the web at categoryispod.com.